0: you continue to serve the Lord here well if I were to ask you tonight what is the most important word in raising children how would you answer that If we were going to sum it up in one word just one word all you gets one word what would be the one word pastor came up with one you're going to say that one out loud I heard you say it I think I know what you said he said a paddle <laughs> my my daddy would probably have agreed with that one word if uh, my life was any example but that's not the word I'm looking for what word would you say? One word. What's the most important word in, uh, in raising children? You got any idea? What word would you throw out? What is it? I heard consistent. What else? I heard an example? Love? Respect? What'd you say? We got one person that's nailed it. And it's the pastor's wife. There's one word that's more important than all other words. That's the word training. Did you know that? Uh, It's more important than even praying because sometimes people don't even have a Christian family But their kids do well, you know why because they trained them You ever notice how training is so important you ever gone to a restaurant. I know uh, you guys have what seven you guys have seven kids And you guys have ten and we have five uh, And and so if you have children you go to a restaurant, especially if you have a lot of kids And you march into a restaurant especially if it's a nicer restaurant makes people nervous you're like, oh, my goodness, bringing all these kids and You're going to mess up our atmosphere. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? But you know what's amazing to me? If you go into a restaurant, your kids are well-behaved. You know what I mean by that? You've been in a restaurant, haven't you? And there's a family nearby, and their kids are so polite. Yes, ma'am, this, and yes, sir, that, and may I please, and thank you, and, and they're well-behaved. You know what? Our world marvels at that. Our world is like, oh, my goodness, your kids are so well-behaved. And what's kind of funny about it, in a sense, I've often thought to myself, sometimes if people knew why your kids were well-behaved, they'd be against you. We want the product, but we don't want the training. Training just takes a lot of work, but it is the single most important word. So tonight I'm going to take you to to Proverbs 22, 6 as a kickoff place and talk to you a little bit about training children, raising children. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 is a weirdly debated verse. If you've been in church a long time, you probably know that this is a debated verse. Do you all know it? Every parent in the room ought to know this verse. The Bible says in this verse, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Simple verse, nothing fancy about it, nothing deep about it, and nothing hard to understand. He just says, train your children, it will impact their future. That's what he's trying to say here. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Have, have you, are you aware of the fact this is debated? Are you aware of that? This is a tough verse. And I've heard, I've heard all kinds of statements. One guy says, I uh, heard one guy preach and he said, now I want to tell you something about that verse. He said, doesn't work for everybody. Well, that's a weird thing to say if you're a Baptist preacher. Heard one guy say, well, no, he said some people say this is a promise. If you train your children, they'll go in the right direction. But really, he said it's not a promise. He said it's a probability. The Proverbs are probabilities. And I thought that's even a weird way to think about the Bible, isn't it? Because Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will probably direct your paths. Well, we wouldn't buy that. We'd go, no, 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 no. You trust the Lord. He'll direct your paths. That's our God. Trust God, look to God, believe in God, serve the Lord. It's worth it, he'll direct your path. We wouldn't apply that thinking to almost any other verse in the Bible, but we do it to this one. Well, Somebody says, well, it's just a principle. I I might could go with that one. The Bible has a lot of principles to it, but the principle would say the same thing as the promise. No matter how you take it, what the Bible wants us to know is this is God's word. If it's God's word, it's truth. How many of y'all believe that? Do you believe that? If it's God's word, it's truth. So whatever this verse says, it's true. And here's what it says. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That's a phraseology, a little unique there. But here's all he's trying to say to us. If we train, it'll impact their future. The way we train will impact their future. That's what the Bible's trying to say to us here. Now, it is true, isn't it? We got to think this through a little bit have you ever thought about this verse and thought about to whom it is written to understand the verse you've got to remember to whom it is written so based on what you know just from the simple reading train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he'll not depart from it to whom would you say these verse this verse is written to parents but not just any parent can you can you define it narrow it a little bit more not just any parent but uh, what kinds of parents would this verse be written to? What'd you say, Pastor? Children. Parents of children, but even a little bit more narrow than that. Parents who are training children is what I'm looking for. It's true that it's the Bible, so it's written to us who are believers, but not every parent is training children. How many of you are done training children? Your kids are out, they're on their own. <laughs> How many of you are done training children? A lot of you are, aren't you? You better not be done. You still. You got a little boy right there that needs your help. Uh, training children, there comes a point when it's done. Now, like Bethany and I have a daughter, Abigail, who's 22. Now, Abby's 22. She's a grown lady. She's on staff at a church in California. She'll be married in July, the Lord willing. Now, here's the deal. The fact of the matter is, I'm done training Abby. I'm done. done all I can do. Can I help her? Sure. Am I there for You better believe it. Do I love her? Absolutely. Would I do anything for her? I would do anything for her. Would I, would I go overboard to help her if I thought she was going the wrong direction? I would. I'd do anything I could. But training only lasts so long. There comes a point when my Abby's 22. Could could Abigail, my daughter Abigail, could she make decisions as an adult that aren't wise? Talk to me. Could she? Sure. How many of you are adults? Let me see your head. Have you ever made a decision that's not wise? (laughs) So see, anybody can, but I'm responsible. Here's my Jacob, he's 15 years old, and as a dad, Bethlehem and I, as as mom and dad, have a God-given responsibility to be training that young man because someday he's gonna be on his own as an adult. And here's my charity, I got a trainer. The key word tonight is training. Who's this verse written to? Parents who are training children. So mom and dad, if you're training kids tonight, be encouraged, here's your verse. Take a moment, think about it. Consider to whom it is not written. It's not written to you parents who may have an older child that's not doing well. It's not your verse. Sometimes we undermine this verse because we say, well, see there, it doesn't work because they took them to church and they raised them in church and they went to the devil. That's no way to look at this verse. This verse doesn't answer that question. There are other verses that answers that scenario, but not this verse. Don't undermine this verse because somebody has an adult child that isn't doing well. Don't undermine this verse. This verse is my verse. I'm raising children. And the Bible says as a daddy, i got to be training because my training will have an impact in their future. This is not written to parents whose older children may not be, be doing well. And so then let's just consider what it says, okay? Let's just take it apart. Nobody ever does. Let's consider what it says. What's the first word in Proverbs 22, verse 6? train that's a simple word so the first thing I want you to think about is this word train all right train think about it to train is to dedicate or to aim uh, to fence in to push in the right direction Psalm 127 verse 3 says this as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man so are children of the youth get the picture Here's a mighty man, he's got a bow, puts an arrow in there, and he pulls the arrow in the bow, he pulls the bow back, the arrow's there, and he aims it at the 12 on the clock on the back wall. And he releases it. Now when the arrow is released, what do you expect it to do? Well, it may not hit the target, but you expect it to go in the direction it is aimed. Wouldn't make any sense at all, would it? If I sit on this platform tonight and I aimed at your clock on the back wall, I bet, uh, I bet the sound guys would duck, wouldn't they? And uh, so I pull it back and I aim and I release it. Wouldn't make any sense at all if that arrow came out and wandered around over here, went under the piano, went up through that light and came around the corner and wandered around over here and went under a few pews and circled around and eventually hit the back wall. Somebody would say, that, that's not possible. No, it's not possible. What the Bible says is our children are like that. Uh, You and I are to do so well as moms and dads that the training we put into our children's life, when the time comes that we release them, they're no longer under my care. They're grown up now. They're going in the direction they ought to be going. That's what the verse is trying to say. And the Bible even gives us uh, one of the definitions of training is to build a fence. I was raised on a farm, and uh, we had black Angus beef cows. Anybody here like cows? I love steak, Pastor. Steak's good for you, Brother John. Steak. I love steak. And... uh, and I love Black Angus. Somebody said to me one time, do you eat venison? I said, why? <laughs> Praise God, we had steak. Why would you eat venison when you have steak? Now, here's what we do. We'd sell a cow. We'd sell a bull. And uh, we had a chute, and it was fenced in. So what you do is you drive that, you drive that bull or that heifer or that cow into that, that chute, and you get them over there, and they get in. They're fenced in. Every time, that cow spooks. It you know, doesn't want to go in the back of that trailer. Uh, she, she doesn't want to go in there. That heifer doesn't want to go in there. That bull doesn't want to go in the back of that trailer. That bull's going to try to go out of the chute there. And so here's what the bull does. Boy, he rams up against that wall. He's trying to get out of there, but he can't because there's a fence there. So he turns, boom, and he, and he can't eat. There's a fence there. And that's part of the definition of the word train. One of our God-given responsibilities for those of us who are raising children is to put fences in our children's life because the enemy of their soul will do everything in his power to say, come over here, come over here, go this direction, try this. So our children, our children are going to try to go that way. Oh, they can't. There's a fence there. Oh, they they can't go that way because I built a fence in their life. Moms and dads ought to be remarkable fence builders. That's how I do this word train. So, I got to train. I got to train. I got to aim them in the right direction. I got to work on them. Here's a verse for you. You all know this verse right here? How many of you know that verse right there? Ephesians 6 4. You know that verse? How many of you all know that verse? Anybody here? Quote that verse. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but do what to them? bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so you moms and dads that are raising children Ephesians 6 4 says that what you gotta do is nourish your children train your children bring them up in the in the nurture and admonition of the Lord there's the verse don't don't harass them don't anger them don't anger them Uh, but nurture them Uh, nurture is to nourish and to nourish means this right here means to provide conditions optimal for growth. So as a dad and mom, what we gotta do is we gotta make sure that our homes, our places, our habits, our lifestyles, our entertainment, all the stuff we do as families is providing a condition optimal for growth. It's a farming terminology. You wouldn't plant a garden and expect a crop if you never took care of the garden. You gotta have the right fertilizer. You got to have the right sunshine, you got to have the right soil. There's all kinds of work that goes into conditional uh, conditions optimal for growth. I'm to do that as a parent. That's why in our family, we have all kinds of things we do. Some things aren't even biblical. It's not in the Bible. But as a parent, I'm like, "You know what? We we need to do this, I think, because it will help our children grow and be the best they possibly can be." And we try to differentiate from that. I'll sometimes say to our kids, "You know what? The Bible says we can't do that, and so we're not going to do it because the Bible says." And sometimes I'll say, "You know what? We're not going to do that. The Bible doesn't mention that, and it's my choice." And someday you'll grow up and you may do it differently. But I'm daddy. My name is daddy. I am Sir Daddy. And since I get to choose, it's not biblical. This is what we're going to do. But see, I'm trying to I'm trying to provide a condition optimal for their growth. And you know, we got all kinds of decisions to make: how we're going to educate our children. Some people say, you know what? Our our kids are going to grow best if we homeschool. Some will say, no, I think our kids are going to grow best if we put them in the public school. Some will say, no, I think our kids are going to grow best if we Christian school them. Every parent has to decide what is the optimal growth for your children's future. Does that make sense to you? And and, and it's true of our entertainment. When I was a kid, my parents wouldn't let us watch TV. Not at all. Not at all. We didn't have a TV. Can you believe that? Because my mom and dad thought that would be the best condition optimal for our growth. No TV. In our family, there's things we do. Like we don't let our kids spend the night at anybody else's house. Our kids don't go to anybody else's house to spend the night. Now, are there exceptions? Well, sure there are. They've stayed with grandparents, with cousins a couple of times. But even then, we're careful. We're always wise. We're always careful. What we do with it, because we're trying to give them the right conditions and and to nourish us to correct anything that is harmful to their growth. Uh, when you're raising a crop. And you're out in your field if you've got a if you've got a weed taken over you better deal with it or it's gonna destroy your crop and a lot of times as parents we're so busy in this generation the weeds are growing and we know there's a weed there and we know we ought to deal with it but we're too stinking busy we, we're, just, we're life is so frantic and we don't have time to deal with the weeds and next thing you know they're ten years old and those weeds are a lot bigger they'd have been a whole lot easier to handle when they were two now they're ten and boy, we got a battle on our hands. And God wants us all along the way. So so the best place is for you that have a baby tonight. Well, if you got a baby tonight, you got a good deal going. You got 18 years to train that child. Here's Jacob. He's 15. I got about three more years left. Not quite three because he's past 15. So my time's limited with Jacob. I got to get busy. Here's charity. I got eight more years with charity. So I got got time to overcome all the things that might hinder her growth. Am I making sense tonight? So here's what Ephesians is saying. Don't anger your children. Nourish them and do it so they will serve God. Train your children. Don't anger them. You know what I mean by that? So many times we parents anger our children. We do that when we're inconsistent. We all deal with that, don't we? Sometimes I'm inconsistent, aren't I, kids? And I have to make it right and try to be consistent. Inconsistency can anger your child. Sometimes... uh, Sometimes non communication can anger your child. Uh, sometimes just harassing them can anger them. I, I, I'm amazed in our busy society how, how much easier it is to harass than to correct. Uh, to fuss at rather than parent. Like you take a teenage girl. Here's a teenage girl, and she, she, she gets a boyfriend. She's a teenager, and she gets a boyfriend, and her daddy doesn't like the boyfriend. So, what does daddy tend to do in our generation? Fuss at her. Oh my word, honey, what is wrong with you? Wanna date that jerk? Come on, sweeter. Why do you want to date him? He's a sissy. Why do you and a dad can harass and harass, and, and and there's no answer to dad's questions. If a dad says, Come on, honey, why do you want to date that jerk? He, he looks like he beat his mom to the jewelry box. He can say whatever he wants to say. But there's no answer. Like if she goes, Come on, dad, seriously. You just need to get to know John. Because if you just got to know John, I know he wears that T-shirt that says kill your parents. Uh, I know he wears that a lot. But dad, if you just got to know him, what you'd find out is he's a really sweet guy. It's not like dad is going to go, oh, what was I thinking? Okay, honey, you can date him. See, because he's harassing. Because we want, we, we, we'll say, we, we harass so often. How many times have I told you to clean up your room? Oh, my word, I've had it up to my eyeballs with you. I brought you in this world. I will take you out. See, all we're doing is harassing. That's not parenting. It's not parenting. Parenting sounds like this. Hey, honey, we got to talk. You may not date him. Hey, son, we need to talk. need to get a haircut. Hey, Hey, sweetheart, come here. You can't wear that. That's too tight. That's too slinky. That's too sexy. You can't wear that don't you change that? I'll take you shop and we'll buy something else. can't wear that. See how simple that is? You're training, not harassing. You're not frustrating your children. You're training. That's all you're doing. That's what the Bible's trying to tell us here. Watch this. Train a child. How many of you have more than one? Do you? How many of you are aware of the fact that all your kids are different? Are you aware of that? That's why the Bible here is singular. Train up a child in the way he should go. Have you, ever wondered, have you ever wondered why that sometimes a family will have uh, five children and four of them will live for God, love God, serve God, and, and one won't do so well? You ever wondered that? There's many reasons for it. Sometimes it's because there's a child who grows up and, and, and allows something wrong in their life, and, and the, the result is you reap what you sow. It's also true that sometimes as parents, we subtly destroy what God's trying to do in the hearts of our children. I read that verse in James. I think I might have told you all that verse in James. James 1, pure religion, where he says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. I can go to church and look religious and carry my King James Bible and be everything ought to be according to the church, but walk out and get in the car and have a sharp tongue and a critical tongue and an arrogant tongue. And the Bible says my tongue can undermine everything I believe. And my religion have no value to it. But there's another reason perhaps why. And this verse perhaps gives us a glimpse of it. Because our children are different, sometimes as parents we feel very strongly about one thing, and we're all over that child. My goodness, you're not going to do that, and I'm not going to put up with that, and we're all over that child. But here's another child. They have a weakness in their life, but that weakness is not as big a deal to us as this weakness over here. And if we're not careful, we focus on one child and and, and their weakness and let the other child and their weakness kind of just float along. And Beth and I have have had to learn this. Abigail, for instance, is my 22-year-old, and Josh is my 21-year-old, and they're 14 months apart, and uh, it's, it was great. I'm glad we did it that way. We didn't intend to do it that way. Josh was a surprise, but I'm glad we did it that way. Josh and Abby are best buddies, and they get along great, and they've always been really close, and, and they were so different. It was amazing. They, Abby's always been tiny, and Josh was born half-grown, and because of it, uh, after they were alive for a few months, they looked like twins. I mean, here she was, just till a little petite thing, and here he was. He was, you know, he was a football player kind of guy. And uh, and yet they were so different. Abby was industrious as the day is long. Pastor, she could work circles with any one of our kids. I'm telling you, that girl could get the job done. And in spite of her industriousness, she had a weakness. She would lie to you. I'm telling you, lie to you at the drop of a hat, and she would drop the hat. She would just lie to you up a storm. She would, just, she would. Now, Josh was the exact opposite. Josh was impeccably honest. Out of all of our children, if we want, okay, who did it? Who did it? We asked Josh. All right, Josh, who did it? Because he's going to tell you. He can't, he can't not tell you. If it's in here, it has to come out. That's just my Josh. It may not, may not sound right. Probably you shouldn't have said it sometimes, but if it's in here, it comes out. He's just, what you see is what you get. There's no malice. There's no critical spirit. There's no judgment. Just what's in here comes out his mouth. That's just how he is. So we'd ask Josh. He was impeccably honest, but he was also a little bit lazy. They were the exact opposite. She's industrious, but dishonest. He's honest, but somewhat lazy. So here's what you have to do as a parent. You have to be a student of your child. You have to examine them, study them, figure them out. We said, okay, Abigail, your strength is your industrious. And, man, we went to work on that. God bless you. We helped her with that. We showed her how to do it better. And that's her strength. We strengthened her strength. We went to work on her weakness. you got to tell the truth. We memorized verses. We talked about it. We gave second chances. And sometimes we spanked the daylights out of her. You have got to learn to be honest. Josh, he's honest, a little bit lazy. So we praised his honesty. God bless you. You're dependable. But we had to go to work on his laziness. I thought this afternoon, thought you know what? We did it because this afternoon I went online to pay my son's school bills. It was due today for the month of October. It's a scary time in my life. So I got two boys in college. So I went online today and and, and I paid Matthew's, and I went over to Joshua's, and I didn't know anything. Because Joshua has worked so many hours in the last month that he paid his own school bill this month. Isn't that incredible? He was our lazy kid. But now he's the boss where he works. He's the supervisor guy. We overcame that weakness. His strength was kind of funny. he he just say it. Just, he just was honest. We were this one church years ago, Pennsylvania. Wish y'all could have been with us. It was the weirdest church I'd ever been to. And I'm not making that up. You ever been to a weird church? This was a weird church. The building was weird. Uh, The parking lot was weird. The town was weird. The people were just as. The services were weird. The way they ran the service, the people, the way they did the platform. What was even weirder was the way the platform was set up. I love things in, in order, parallel order. Balanced. Their, their old It was an old building, and it had a, a, a round railing. You know how this one's kind of angled. It had a round railing that came around the front between the platform and the audience. And, you know, normally the pulpit is in the center. Not in this church. Had three rows of pews just like yours. But the pulpit was right here. Nailed to the railing. You couldn't move it. I'm telling you, it drove me crazy all week. It's the weirdest church ever. Why would you? Why would you put the pulpit off center? My blood pressure was up. I had to go to counseling. This was a tough week for me. I'm just this was a tough week. So we had Sunday morning there, and it really was. I don't mean that to be mean. It just was. It was just the whole service. This is weird. It was just the weird the way they ran it, the way they did it. Sunday school, everything about it was like, what in the world? Why are you doing it this way? And so the pastor takes us out to eat on Sunday morning after the morning service. We're sitting at this restaurant, this big round table. And the pastor says to my son, to my children, hey kids, he said, what's the weirdest church you guys ever been to? And I wish I were making this up. My Joshua did not miss a beat. He goes, yours. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And so I was like, oh my soul. And I'm thinking, what am I gonna do now? You know, he's too far to kick under the table. But if I'd have kicked him under the table, he'd have been like, Dad, why are you kicking me under the table? That's just how he is, and the pastor. I, I I was frantic. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? The pastor made it worse. He goes, (laughs) he said, "That's funny." He said, "No, really. What's the weirdest church you ever been to?" (laughs) Is it wrong to pray? God, please help my son to lie at least once in his life, (laughs) because he didn't disappoint us. What's the weirdest church? He goes, "No, yours, really." (laughs) Like, oh my word! There goes the offering. Um, There goes uh, invited back to this church. And I was doing damage control. I was like, man, he's a comedian and he, you know, praise God. And I'll never forget that. Here's the whole point. The whole point is that every child you have is different. Let me ask you a question, moms and dads. Pick one of your children. Do you know their strengths? And are you as a parent strengthening their God-given strengths so that all the days of their life they'll use them for God? And on the other hand fair question here do you know their weaknesses and are you as a parent working to correct their weaknesses so that they're not damaged by their weaknesses all the days of their life have you ever met somebody that has a weakness in their life and they're grown up now but it's a damage to them I don't mean this to be mean but there's a guy I know in our area in Florida and we just put a roof on our house. And the man putting the roof on our house hired this guy. He needs help. He needs some work. He hired him. He hired him to come pick up the shingles and the nails. And I I, I can't watch him. I can't do it. I can't watch him. Because he, he can't he can't do it. He'd get out on his knees and he'd pick up a few things here. And dump it in the dumpster. And then he had moved five feet down and skipped this section here, and he hadn't even finished the section he was. And he drove my wife crazy. She couldn't watch me. I had to pull the blinds. Watch this guy. You know what's amazing is here's a man that's a grown man who has a weakness in his life that he never defeated. Moms and dads, any adult can take steps to change things in their life. God is a God of new beginnings. Did you know that? You might be 45 years old and things are a mess in your life. There's a powerful God who forgives and leads and directs and help you get on the right path. Thank God for grace. Can I get an amen for that? But God's plan is that moms and dads take care of that. As moms and dads, we help our children to correct their weeds. That's why he says train up a child. Now, i got to close here in just a second. Train up a child in the way he should go, she should go. How many of you agree there's a right way and a wrong way? Do you agree with that? So as moms and dads, we've got to get them on the right path. There's a way they ought to go. There's a way they ought to go. It implies this is the way you shouldn't go. This is the way you should go. This you shouldn't do. This you should do. This is not right. This is right. You and I have got to be masters of taking 18 years of our child's life to get them on the right path, train up a child in the way he should go so that they will go that way. That's the whole point of this verse. Does it work? You tell me. Does it work? You tell me. Does it work? How many of you, let me give you some illustrations. How many of you love Brussels sprouts? Let me see your hand. Raise your hand good high if you love Brussels sprouts. How many of you detest Brussels sprouts? Raise your hand good night. Now, you know what? There's all kinds of answers probably to this question. But if I said, why? Why do you love Brussels sprouts? Why do you hate Brussels sprouts? Chances are, maybe 95% of the time, it's because you that loved them when you were a kid, your mom and dad made you eat them when you developed a taste for them. Those of us who don't like them, mommy never made us eat them. You know what balut is? Do you know what balut is? You ever had balut? Anybody here have a balut? Balut is Filipino. Every time I go to the Philippines, they always are like, come on, Brother Young, you gotta try balut. And I always say, let me pray about it. The Lord said no. (laughs) I can hear the voice of God so clearly in that. No. You know what balut is? It's a goose egg about that big. And it has a baby baby. Inside it. And the baby's growing. And they take that and boil it. And you eat the whole thing. Hand it to you. Eat it. Crunch it. Chew it up. Feathers, beak. Oh, they love it. Now, how many of you agree this is absolutely mind-boggling? You would eat that? Yes, they do, and they love it. Now, why would you love balut? Here's the word. Trained Somebody trains you to eat it. You're like, okay, you learn to like it. You see that all the time, all the time. We go to different parts of the country, and you go down to North Carolina and say you got to have North Carolina barbecue. You go to South, oh, no, you got to have South Carolina barbecue. You got to have Georgia barbecue. You got to have Alabama barbecue, and it's all different. And sometimes we're like, I can't stand North Carolina barbecue. If you lived in North Carolina, chances are you'd love it because you were trained to love it. You go to Alabama, you love what they serve because you were trained to love it. Training matters. Like, how many of y'all? How many of y'all like real? real cornbread. How many of y'all like Johnny cake? You know the difference in that? One is sweet. How many of y'all like your cornbread sweet? Let me see. you. How many you like your cornbread sweet? How many of you like, not on your life. I want it just old time, non-sweet, southern. Anybody here like that? Now why? See my wife? My wife? She likes it sweet cornbread. Not me. I'll eat it because I've, I've learned to like it. But I was raised eating, now my wife doesn't like it the other way. She says, it's like eating sawdust. I'm like, no, it's good. See, we were trained differently. Do you understand that? It's just simple. So does it work? Yes, it works. I mean, guys, I had a guy say to me one time, I had a Ford pickup truck in a revival. And he said, I'll tell you right now, bless God, I wouldn't drive a Ford. You couldn't pay me to drive a Ford. So I said to him, buy me a Chevy, I'll drive it. Wouldn't bother me a bit. You want to buy me a Chevy? I will drive it, I promise you. Why would a guy feel that strongly about a Ford? Probably because he had a dad who said, Man, I'm telling you, we're Ford people. Don't you dare drive a Chevy. We are Ford people. Isn't it amazing how it works? It works. It works. It does. It works. Training works. Training effect. I, I mean, you, you meet kids that are like Roll Tide, Roll Tide. well, we're Alabama Roll Tide football fans because they were trained. They had bad parents. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Charity. She's a Roll Tide fan because her brother's rebellious and has convinced her that Roll Tide is the team. He just wants to win. That's his deal. But but here's the point I'm making: training works. And think about this, moms and dads. Don't you think if we could succeed in training a child to eat balut or training a child to eat Brussels sprouts, that by God's grace and God's help, we ought to be able to train a child to do things that are important? Like this. Just look at it. Shouldn't we train our kids to obey? Evaluate. And by the way, don't allow anything to excuse you from training. I'm going to say something, and don't you be offended. I'm about to say something. Hear me out before you shut me off, okay? At least consider what I'm saying. I have parents say to me all the time, you know, our brother Young, that's good stuff, but it doesn't work for us. Our child has ADHD. Hear me out. Don't get offended. That that I understand what you're saying, but my, my son has ADD. Let me tell you something. Maybe he does. Maybe she does have ADHD. What should you do about it? Listen to me. Here's what you do about it train. That's the answer. You don't raise your, throw your hands up and go, okay, I can't train my son because he has ADHD. I can't expect him to do well and do right and pay attention and learn to obey. I can't do that because my son has ADHD or my son lists whatever, whatever. There's a mile-long list today of all the things the world says your child is special, so you can't, you, can't, you can't do that with your child. Listen, God's Word works. If your child has ADHD, you have more work to do than those of us whose kids are not. But training still works. So your kid had ADHD, here's what you do, you train them. Let me tell you something, if your kid had ADHD, you better train them, you know why? Because that child someday is gonna be 25. And a child who's 25 with ADHD, who's never been trained, is a terror. And nobody wants their kids to be 25 and a terror. So when your kid is four years old and they have ADHD, what do you do, you train them. To obey. You train them to obey. Is it going to be a little harder work for you? I think we had one son who had ADHD. Now, we never did the diagnosis thing. Because we we just decided it didn't matter whether he does or not. He's going to do right or I'm going to kill him. We're going to go meet Jesus together. Now, I'm being a little silly. You understand that. I'm being silly there. Don't don't misunderstand. Don't take this the wrong way. But I think he probably did. But Beth and I said, you know what? He's going to learn to obey. So we prayed about it. We worked on him every day, and every day, every day, and and every year. It's hard work, but he's a grown man now. He's a hard worker. He has character and integrity, and he was the star (coughs) employee of his Chick-fil-A last year. His team, (coughs) excuse me, his team set a record for getting the most people through drive-through in one hour ever at that Chick-fil-A. I think it was 157 cars in one hour with no mistakes. That's moving on. Zoom, zoom, zoom. They were, they were, they were pouring on the chicken. Let me tell you. You know what? We could have sat back when he was two and three and four and said, Oh, you know, he has ADHD. Let's put him on some medicine and hope for the best. But the Bible still works. So he said, let's train him. Train your kids to obey. Here's some verses. I didn't mean to jump ahead there. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. When he's young, you gotta train him. You gotta sometimes spank, not abusive. You're not angry. You're not smacking on a child. You're not beating on a child. You're not kicking on a child. It's not spanking. Spanking is giving amplified consequences to misbehavior. It's giving an amplified consequence to a misbehavior so that a child will learn that negative choices always have negative consequences. If your child learns that when they're 21 years old, it'll make a big difference. So he's on the job and he could steal. But he knows better because he's been taught that negative choices have negative consequences. When he knows that because you trained him. Here's some verses. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Can I get a witness? (laughs) But the rod of correction will drive it far from him. The rod and reproof give wisdom. Notice what he says there. Two things. I reprove. That's talking. And sometimes I punish. Sometimes I can say to my son, come here, bud. Come here. Come here. Listen, son. You may not lie. You got that? What am I? I'm reproving. If you can correct a child with your mouth, correct a child with your mouth. I'm not talking about yelling and screaming and cursing at your child. Be calm about it. You're parenting. Say, hey, uh, you may not do that again. Do you understand? Don't let me see you do that again. That's no way to behave. You don't talk like that. You don't respond like that. You may not do that again. Am I clear? Yes, sir. Okay, we're done. Maybe that's all it takes. But sometimes the child won't listen. So he keeps doing it over and over and over and over again. So the Bible says this one, use a rod. A rod is an object that is firm enough that it stings. Flexible enough that it does no damage. We, we, our goal is to be done sooner than later. Like my son's 15 years old, I wouldn't spank him. He's a grown man. Could I? Absolutely. Would if I absolutely had to? I, I would. He's a grown man. That would be embarrassing for both of us. He's 15 years old. I'm done. I'm done with this. Now I'm trying to teach him how to be a man. I'm done with the spanking. That's that's that's. Notice that that one word was early. When they're younger's, when you do that, and when they were younger, what we would do is we would uh, we would have spanking. Not everything's a spanking matter, see some things are children spill milk and that's a frustrating annoying thing but not necessarily spanking matter. see and children are loud sometimes and they're goofy sometimes i understand all of that but there are some things that you know this is wrong and you won't do right and i've tried to get you to do right and i've prayed about it and i've waited on you to do right and you will not do right and so i'm going to punish you so what we would do so we had an object that we had found that was flexible it was flexible enough that it wasn't damaging and it was firm enough that it stung. I, it, it would sting. And we would take our children and we would stand them between the legs. And I would lean them over this way because I'm right-handed. And, and usually Bethly and I would try to do it together if we could. And, and, and if, if Bethly wasn't there to hold their hands, I'd have them put their hands together like they were praying. Because in a few moments, they're going to be. And uh, put your hands together. And I'd say to the kids, and I wouldn't even, I'm not one of those parents that would, you know, my daddy, when he would give you a spanking, he'd take you by the wrist and he'd take a switch he cut a limb off a tree. He'd just just give it to you, just, just give it to you until you were dancing. I, I, I never had breakdance until I got a spanking, but I can breakdance pretty good when Dad's on the other end with a stick. You know what I mean? And so my dad would, would just give it to us. Well, in a generation we live in, you have to be wise about this. And so what we would do is we came up with a method where we could discipline our children and do it wisely and yet still apply the Bible. So we would take our arm and put it across their lower back. I'm stronger than they are, and I'd hold them there. And then I'd bring my legs together so that I'm protecting the tender portions on the back of their leg that have a tendency to mark. You know what I'm talking about? And then between my arm and my legs, there's a portion left over. <laughs> if you're in doubt about that, see me afterwards and Pastor will answer that for you. And, um, and then we would take the rod. And I usually would, would do it calculated, measured. I'd say, so you know what? I'm going to give you one good SWAT. If that solves it, we're done. All right, I've talked to you. I'm going to give you two. If this solves it, we're done. I've talked to you many times. I'm going to give you four. Because we're we're not we're not mad. See, it's not, it's not. I've had it with you. I'm gonna I'm going to tear into you, and you're getting a whooping. No. It's training. Do you understand the difference in that? You moms and dads have got to learn to train. It's the key. It's the key. It's the key. Chasing thy son while there is hope, the Bible says. So train your children to obey. You can even, we Beth and I do this sometimes, you can even test yourself to see how they're doing. Can't you? You can say, uh, try. I mean, just pick something and say, uh, hey, I want you to do this. And then watch and see if they do and if they don't. It means you're failing as a parent. Isn't that encouraging? Aren't y'all glad you came to church to hear that little nugget of blessing right there? So test yourself and work on it. Don't, don't beat yourself up. If your child is seven and you say, oh, they didn't, I got some work to do, then go to work and win. See, and uh, here, here's three other things. Train your children to be saved. Isn't that important? Now give them the gospel. Tell them how about Jesus and Show them that Jesus is a wonderful Savior. Is Jesus a wonderful Savior? Did you know that every one of us are sinners and we're on the road to hell and we cannot save ourselves? Maybe you're in the building tonight without Jesus and you're on the road to hell. And if you died tonight, you'd stand before the God of the universe and he would know everything about you. Nothing hidden, nothing, no secrets. He would know it all. And he would have to judge your sin. You would have no hope of heaven, no hope of forgiveness. It would be too late. But Jesus died for our sins and was buried and was raised from the dead. And tonight he's a merciful, loving, gentle Savior. And he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am am lowly and I'm meek and my yoke is easy. And he, he just invites us to come and to trust him your children can be saved and don't you ever allow any theological system to convince you that children can't be saved if you if you hear some guy on the radio and he starts ridiculing children getting saved turn him off Amen. children can be saved and should be saved and if you'll train them Charles Spurgeon the Prince of Preachers said in his book come Ye children that any child can be saved by the age of five if they're properly trained and I believe that's true I really do. Win them to Jesus. Train your children to be saved. Train your children to serve God. I say to our kids, bring your Bible. Bring your Bible to church. Bring your Bible. I I, I don't want to make a bigger deal about this than I should because it's not right or wrong necessarily, but I I encourage our kids to bring their Bible, not their iPad. And, And the reason being, the reason being is just practical. I have a Bible on here, and I read it, and I like it. Uh, well, the reason I like it is because I can see it. I can make it bigger. Whoop. Boy, there it is. There's the Word of God in my size right there. I like that. You know, my Bible right here, I even had to put my glasses on or stand back here so I can see it. I'm at that age. You know what I'm talking about? I love words on the screen. I'm not liberal. I just can see it. I, I love the hymns on the screen. I can see them. I love it. I'm for it. I believe in it. But I don't want my kids, because I- I've noticed so many times when I'm preaching, even to adults, you know, they'll open their their notes and it's on their Bible and then they get a text. And next thing you know they have no idea what's going on in the service. So this is a, this is an iPad. This is a Bible. There's a difference in those two. This is a Bible. It's a book. And It's not, it's not wrong to have an iPad and if, if you feel like God wants you to do that there's nothing in the Bible that says thou shaltest not as read us the Bible on their iPadist I know that and you know that but I'm trying to train my kids to serve God. So we, we say bring a Bible. We we, we see, see, I want you to sing. Most nights I say to my kids, have you had devotions yet? Today, have you read your Bible today? All right, before you go to sleep, read a chapter in the Bible. Why we're training them to serve God. We go to church, it's our priority. Ball game on Sunday, we're not going. Because we're Christians and we serve God on Sunday. We, we go to church on Sunday. It's one of the reasons my kids worked at Chick-fil-A. Because Sundays they were closed. That was one of the big reasons. Never was an issue to us. They're closed on Sunday, so we can go to church. And, and we, we appreciated that about them. We loved that about them. Train your kids to serve God. And, and, and consider this, and I'll close. Train your children for success in life. What does it take to be successful in life? Well, you got to learn how to work hard, don't you? So train your kids to work. Your kids can do the laundry, make the beds, clean the house, wash the dishes, mow the yard. They can, they can split the wood, they can change the oil you can, if you train them. They won't do it by, you know, sometimes dad's I'm around dad's like, hey, son of my needle, he can't do nothing. He doesn't know how to doesn't know how to change tire, doesn't know how to doesn't know how to check the oil. Well, I don't be mean about it, but the reason I knew how to change the tire is because I had a daddy that said, son, come here I'm going to show you how to change the tire. The reason I know how to drive a tractor, I knew how to drive a tractor. Because my daddy said, I want to teach you how to tra- drive a tractor. I knew, how to, I knew how to drive a manual five speed on the floor. Three speed on the column. Because my daddy trained me. I knew how to build hay. Because my daddy trained me. I knew how to put a roof on a house. Because my daddy trained me. I knew how to milk a cow. Because my daddy trained me. I knew how to feed the cows. I knew how to raise a garden. Because my daddy trained me. I, I learned it. I learned how. Dad trained me. My uh, my wife, when we got married. She knew how to cook. Not because Not because she just one day had an epiphany on a miracle and God just put it in her mind. This is how you cook. No, it was a lot of training. Somebody said, this is how you stir it. This is how you mix it. This is how you sprinkle it. This is how you measure it. This is how you bake it. This is what you do. This is how you do it. And I'm telling you, I'm so glad somebody trained. Man, am I glad. I eat good. I'm eating good with you all too. Somebody trained you all. Either that or you're fake. It was good this week. Here's the whole point. Training works. Moms and dads, I've come to this service tonight to say to you that are raising children, God bless you when. Train your children and when. And grandparents, I've come to this service tonight to say to you, maybe you're disappointing those grandkids, but train them. Have them over to your house. And don't stick them in front of a television. Have them over to your house and get the word of God into their life. Take them to church. Go pick them up Take them to church on Sunday morning. You, your kids won't take them to church. You take them to church. You pray with them. You train your son how to change a tire. There's something manly. A boy loves to feel manly. Ch- teach him how to get dirty and change a tire and he'll feel manly. Show him how to split wood. And You get a young man, he's 13 years old, and he can crack that wood right down the middle. He feels manly. He'll even walk like a man. That's how God made us. God designed us. Train your children to work and to have respect. We do not, do not, do not call the president by his his one-word name. We never said in our family, Obama this and Obama that. We never said Trump this and Trump that. They are the leaders of our country. and In our home, we wanted to be respectful. That's President Obama. That is President Trump. I know that cop means constable on patrol. But it's also kind of derogatory term. So we don't say cop. That's a police officer. Why? We want our kids to work and have respect, be polite, and live pure lives on their own. What if you're a failure? What if you're in the room tonight? And you sit here and you think, boy, I wish I'd have known that. Or boy, I don't know if I can overcome this. Bethlehem's dad was one of my heroes. He was a phenomenal preacher. He was my pastor. He was an incredible father-in-law. I don't think he was ever, ever negative to me. Ever. He was always for me. Always believed in me. He was an incredible man. He had a saying that I fell in love with. In church, I'm closing with this. Bethlehem's daddy would say, you know, our God is a God of new beginnings. He'll always let you start over. He'll always let you start over. He's a good God. Sometimes we can make royal messes of our lives, can't we? That song before I preach tonight, wasn't that true? Those words on that screen? We can blow it. We can make royal messes of our lives. We can embarrass ourselves and our families. We can fail. But we have such an amazingly powerful and wonderful and loving, heavenly Father that he always lets you start over if you'll come to him in repentance. You'll come to him and make it right. You can start over. Fresh, clean. See, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Nope. But I know what he did. And he died for your sins and he was buried and he was raised from the dead. And he has victory over sin and hell and death and the grave. You could start fresh tonight. You could start over. You could start over. Maybe you're so far in in in, in the gutter of sin. And there's no way I'll ever get out. You can get out by God's grace and God's help if you'll run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. He's a wonderful Savior. He's able to forgive. He's able to give you a new start. You're a parent in the room. You say, man, I've blown it. Get on your knees tonight and I say, Lord, you know I failed. You know I could have done better. But I want to win. I, you got to help me start over. Yeah, they're 45. My son's 45 years old. But I'll. Pray Pray for him every day. I'll love on him. I'll go talk to him. I'll spend time with him. I'll apologize if I have to. I want to see my son do well, and I will go to my grave pursuing godliness in my home. By God's grace and God's help, if you and I get there, we could have an old-fashioned revival in the families of America, and it would turn this country upside down for Christ. May God help us to win. Have I made sense tonight? You guys have been a gracious audience. Does anybody in the room needs to be saved? Meet me right here. You want to know you're going to heaven, boys or girls? You don't know Jesus? Meet me here. I'll pray with you. Ma'am, sir, if you don't know you're saved, meet me right here and I'll pray with you. And I'll turn the mic off. I won't embarrass you. We'll pray together. You can get saved tonight. If you're a mom and dad tonight, get on your knees tonight and ask God to fill you with his spirit and to help you to train your children. And make no excuses. Say, God, you got to help me to overcome errors and backgrounds and just help me, God. You grandparents, if you need to, Pray, get on your knees. Maybe you're just saved and far from God. Well, it's a revival service. Make a beeline for these steps and make an altar. And there will be a God in heaven who will meet you there, forgive you and cleanse you, and give you a brand new start. Father.